Hi everybody! You're listening to the recording of EOL's Professional Development Learning Series, held on September 23rd. In today's sessions, Nikki Hernandez talks about motivational tools for millennial teachers and Gen Z students. If you prefer to watch the video, go to eoltechnologies.com events. And if you enjoyed the session and want to join us live in on our next one and guarantee your certificate of attendance, register on the same link, eoltechnologies.com events. Enjoy! Welcome again to our monthly webinar from the Everybody Loves Languages Professional Development Learning Series. My name is Natalia Nascimento and I'm the Marketing Manager at EOL. Most of you already know me and you uh, receive all my emails throughout the month, so I appreciate um, you know, your patience with me and thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Everybody Loves Languages uh, is an ad tech company and we're headquartered in Toronto, Canada. Uh, our mission is to build a multilingual world and to achieve that, we develop state-of-the-art technology uh, for teaching languages and also we combine it with first-class language learning content and methodology. Uh, we love to build a community of teachers, of the teachers that are helping us with this mission, so this is why we bring this uh, events for you every month. Uh, so we really hope that you enjoy and that you find this valuable. Next month, our webinar is going to be on October 21st, uh, and it's going to be very interesting because uh, Rachel, she's going to teach you some activities that you can do to make your students working harder than you do. So wouldn't that be nice, making our students uh, working a little bit harder than us? So join us, tune in on October 21st, it's a Thursday, and this uh, session is going to be at 2 p.m. Toronto time. As always, on the website, you can check uh, the time for you, so don't worry about that, the time zone. And uh, a few uh, housekeeping rules before we get started today. We are recording this webinar, so don't worry. You don't have to take notes. We're going to send the recording to everyone, so once that's ready, you're going to receive uh, the record for you. Uh, we, are, we, we, we have a, a time to answer questions at the end, so make sure that you're sending your questions throughout the presentation and now we, uh, we can get to them at the end. And please, 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 please make sure that for me to be able to send your, as your certificate of attendance, uh, you need to fill the attendance form. Uh, so I'm gonna send you a link uh, throughout the presentation that you can fill this, and that's the only way that you can get to receive your certificate of attendance, okay? Uh, so make sure you don't miss that. And uh, without further ado, I'm really excited about today's presentation. Uh, and I'd like to introduce you about uh, Nikki Hernandez. Uh, she is a, a author of the book Empowering Gen Z, uh, or ZAD, <laughs> Practical Lessons to Take Students from ZAD to A++, and a high school Spanish teacher in Central Virginia. She specializes in assisting or others in navigating the dynamic and complex educational landscape through training on communication between Gen X, Y, and Z reading and writing and cultural competency. I think today's session is going to be super interesting and I can't wait to learn everything with Nikki. So Nikki, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, are we ready to get started? Am I allowed to share my screen? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Let's go ahead and get started, guys. I'm going to fly through this presentation because we know how busy we are as teachers and it is 
it is a lot we've got going on right now. Um, I've got a like tutor that I've got meetings after this, so I totally understand where everybody is coming from. And today we're going to talk about some really specific tools to motivate Gen Z. And that that's the generation that was born between 1996 and roughly 2010. And the Pew Research Organization, they differentiate the generation between years. So millennial educators were born 1981 um, to about 1996. And then you've got the Gen Z generation, which was born from 1996 to about 2010. The Pew Research study does indicate, though, that um, there's some leniency as far as whether that ends at 2010 or 2012. So, you know, every other day, this is sort of changing and evolving this whole generational concept of where's the beginning, where's the cutoff, that kind of thing. So last time I checked, it was 2000. 2010, but it may very well be uh, 2012 today as the cutoff for Gen Z. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Um, just as a brief introduction, my name is Nikki Hernandez, and um, feel free to join my Facebook group. It's the Effective Generational Communication and Teaching Facebook group page, and I'm going to talk really fast today because I've got, um, I know we've got a lot going on, so I just want to make sure that I'm time sensitive. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Gen Coaches and TikTok and Instagram at Generational Coach, and I just finished um, my book called Empowering Gen Z Practical Lessons to take students from Z to A++, which we're going to talk specifically about some of the strategies that are in that book today, and I'm really excited to bring that to you. So if you're taking notes right now, or if you're more tech savvy and you want to screenshot this slide, please feel free to do so, because I think that this will bring a lot of focus into the presentation today. And these are the questions that we're going to answer. Question number one is, what influences Gen Z? What influence us, right? If we're a millennial, I'm a millennial, or if you're a Gen X or a baby boomer, what influences us? Now, now, what influences Gen Z, because that's who we're talking about today, and what constitutes their core beliefs and communication philosophy, because Gen Z communication philosophy and their core is very unique, and it's different than the millennials and the Gen Xers and the, and the boomers. It's very different. Um, and what I mean specifically by that is that Gen Z is complex in the sense that they are a, sort of a... Um, they embody all three generations. So they're a mix. They're a mix of baby boomer. They're a mix of millennial. And they're a, they're a mix of Gen X. And they're also, they have this own spin. Every generation has their own unique spin on sort of the generation that came, the generations that came before them. So they're, they're really a mix of everything. And really which one comes out, the baby boomer Gen Z or the millennial type Gen Z or the Gen X type Gen Z is really going to constitute what is going on uh, internally with them emotionally. So however they're acting is going to be indicative of what's going on um, emotionally and in, internally with them. So that's really important to understand their core beliefs and their communication philosophy because that'll help us navigate some complex situations. The second question is, what are some of the roadblocks and challenges of Gen Z that we will face in the classroom? So they have very unique challenges that we as educators are going to see. Those challenges are going to spill over into our classroom. Um, the next question is, how can we motivate them as teachers, right? What, what, what inspires them to get up in the morning and to come to class every day? That's going to be really key to understanding. And then the last question is, what adaptations could we make in our own philosophies um, as educators? I know that for me, so this presentation is going to be more geared towards millennials, but if you're not a millennial, you'll still get a lot out of the presentation. But it's going to be more geared towards millennial educators because um, for me personally, I've had to make a lot of adaptations in the classroom because my philosophy doesn't necessarily line up with Gen Z very well, and my communication might not line up with them. It might not resonate with them, and it might not be effective. So we want to consider some of the adaptations that we could possibly make in our own philosophies, teaching styles, and communication styles in certain situations that might yield to uh, positive outcomes in the future.
and this is always changing. So um, it's important to be self-aware. So the first thing that I want to start with today is boundaries and some of the generational differences between Gen Z and millennials. So the first box, it talks about how Gen Zs, they typically are going to struggle, and we know this as educators, none of this will come as a surprise, but um, Gen Zers struggle with behavioral boundaries a lot of times, um, especially in the beginning of the year with deadlines. So if you're teaching high school kids, you will know how difficult it is to have a student turn in work on time or to understand the importance of deadlines. That is something that they definitely will struggle with. Um, because it's just a concept that they don't process. They've, they've never really had to process that. So the next one is that they also, when it comes to the classroom environment, oftentimes people will ask, okay, so should Gen Z's have more structure or should I have more flexibility in my classroom? The answer that I usually give educators who ask that question is that Gen Z'ers, they crave components of structure. So our classroom should have, you know, routines and, and, and aspects of our class that are going to be familiar with them each day that they, that they know is coming down the pipe. It's predictable. They understand that and they understand the routine and how class works. So they like the components of structure, but they like to have the boundaries sort of expanded every once in a while with some uh, flexibility, if that makes sense. So they like the flexibility component built in. By contrast, though, millennials are very different. Um, millennials, I'm a millennial, so I know that this is true. Um, millennials like to set boundaries for other people, but they don't like other people to set boundaries for them. And that's that's just uh, the way that we are. Um, and, and so it's an interesting tidbit. Um, and, and to think about how this plays out in the classroom, you can probably think, okay, um, is, has there been a time where, you know, maybe an administrator has put a boundary on me as an educator and I didn't really like that, but I'm totally okay with putting boundaries on other people, whether it's in my personal life, my professional life, or, or you know, any, any facet of my life. And that is, that is very true with millennials. We, we don't like to have boundaries put on us, but we like to put boundaries on others. Um, and then also, when it comes to Gen Z, if we go down to the second block under Gen Z, when it comes to discipline, so millennials and Gen Zers will handle discipline very differently. Um, Gen Z is going to be pretty pragmatic in their approach to discipline and, and, and boundaries. So I'll give you a specific example of, of their, their pragmatism and their level of directness. So um, one time I was, a couple years ago, I was teaching a student and she was coming in habitually late, you know, about 30 seconds late every single day. And, you know, it's not like a massive deal or anything like that, but but it, it kind of is. So anyway, um, I, I was not marking her tardy. You know, this was my millennialness coming out. And I said, you know what? I'm just not going to mock her tardy. I'm going to try to earn some brownie points with her and, you know, get, expand the boundaries, right? I'm trying to expand the boundaries for her a little bit. That didn't work. So I went up to the student and I said, um, I, I, so I had to confront her because the situation was just sort of getting out of control. So I went up to her and I talked to her about being tardy and I told her, I said, hey, listen, I um, I haven't been marking you tardy. And the reason why I wasn't marking you tardy was because I wanted to give you some flexibility and some latitude there, but I do need you to come to class on time. And so anyway, I thought that my response was fairly reasonable. But anyway, this is what the student said to me. Well, maybe you should have marked me tardy then. Maybe I would come to class on time if you had marked me tardy. That's literally what the student said to me. So when it comes to discipline, a lot of times Zers will be very pragmatic in their response. And that was a very pragmatic response to my so-called boundary um, that I, you know, I had violated in my own classroom with the student. So um, Zers, though, one thing that's important to know is that Zers are not naturally adversarial. They're not an adversarial group. Um, they're actually very passive um, in, in most cases, and they try to avoid confrontation for a lot of Zers. They will avoid confrontation at all costs. 
us. But where the pragmatism will come out um, is when they perceive the discipline as kind of abrupt or they see it as aggressive or personal or it's ongoing. You know, it kind of, they feel like they're being picked at or if they perceive the discipline as unfair. And then that's where that pragmatism will sort of rear, um, rear, rear its head there. So when it comes to millennials and some of the differences between Gen Z's and millennials when it comes to um, discipline is that uh, millennials want to be a part of the solution when it comes to uh, problems and, and maybe not necessarily problems, but challenges. They want to be a part of the solution. They want to give their own feedback. They want to express themselves and they want to feel they, they the millennials are going to feel validated when their input is solicited. So that's that's when a millennial really thrives, especially in a disciplinary situation. So um, if I'm talking to a millennial, I'll say, hey, can I get your thoughts on something? Um, and if the conversation is, you know, not necessarily the most positive conversation in the whole wide world, that's kind of how I'll start it. Hey, can I get your thoughts on something? And, and so that kind of helps to ease the millennial into the situation um, because they do enjoy giving their opinions and their thoughts about a situation and giving them an opportunity to express themselves and to get their feelings out there and, and to explain themselves is something that makes them feel um, validated. And it doesn't feel like necessarily they're being put on the spot. So this is an important difference between um, Gen Z and millennials. Also, um, if we don't handle millennials in this, in this way, typically, now it's not with all millennials, of course, I don't want to generalize, but with a lot of millennials, if this doesn't happen where their opinions are not solicited or their input is not wanted or validated, um, then what happens typically with millennials is that they'll turn to social media, and I know I've done this, um, they'll typically turn to social media or to really anyone who they feel will listen to them to vent their frustrations um, if, if this doesn't, if, if disciplinary matters are not handled in that way. So you can see that Gen Zers and millennials have a, a different psychology when it comes to handling discipline. Now, if we go to the third block under Gen Z, um, when it comes to protocols, classroom philosophies, things like that, um, Gen Zers are very different than millennials. They want to understand how the process works first. So if you're going over a classroom rule, a classroom boundary, a routine, a, a system that you're trying to put in place, they want to understand first how the process works. And this, what this does is that it helps them to internalize. So rather than you just telling them, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it, instead of you just telling them, um, which is not really going to resonate with them, you can talk to them about, okay, how does this work? Let's figure this out together. And and then that helps them to internalize the benefit of the process, the rule or the protocol and for why it's in place. And so when it comes to Gen Zers, you want to keep your explanations for why you're doing a certain thing brief. Um, I know I've experienced this as a millennial myself. Millennials tend to over talk. They, they over communicate in a lot of cases. I know I've done this myself, so no judgment there at all. If that's you know a situation that we've been in before and that's OK, we're all here to learn and grow and, and, and better ourselves. That's why we're here. So. Um, when it comes to Gen Zers, when it comes to explaining something and why we're doing something in the classroom, keep it brief. Gen Z, they like brief. Okay, this is why we're doing it. Boom, boom, boom. And keep it factual. Keep it simple. That's how they like that. Um, but millennials are very different when it comes to um, philosophy or um, protocols and philosophies and things like that. Um, and I'll give you an example. So um, millennials, again, they like to be part of the solution. They and, and millennials are going to they're going to appreciate a detailed explanation for why a protocol or a rule or a new philosophy or uh, whatever is in place. They're going to appreciate that. They want to know why millennials are. They're called Gen Y for a reason because they're always asking why, 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 why do I have to do this? Right. Um, and and Zers will do that to an extent. Um, but millennials, this is definitely part of their psychology and their makeup to get their buy in. So you have to explain the why first, whereas with Gen Zers, you typically have 
have to explain the how first and then keep the why very brief. Um, but with millennials, it's the opposite. When you start with the why, then they buy in and they're more likely to cooperate. So it's a different communication style, but to get to the same goal, to get to the same end game, if that makes sense. Okay. So with some, uh, here's some key points to remember when you're connecting with Gen Z, and I understand I'm still, I'm talking fast, but I, I have a, a very short amount of time. Um, I want to make sure that I'm getting as much information covered today as possible. And, you know, in the future, we can potentially do another training on this, but I just want to get you some really valuable information that you can apply to your classroom literally tomorrow. So um, some of the key points to remember when connecting with Gen Z is that Gen Zers, they feel empty. They feel empty on the inside. Um, and the reason for this is because a lot of Gen Zers, and I'm going to get kind of kind of deep here for a second, a lot of Gen Zers don't feel like they have a future. They don't feel like they have a future. Um, you know, the, I'll give you an example. So a lot of Zers, you know, we we talked about uh, since 9-11 kind of passed, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about 9-11. We talk about, you know, kids hear about climate change all the time and how they're going to run out of water. And um, there's a lot of, you know, they, since kindergarten, really, they've been dealing with uh, school shooting drills and things like that. So they really do feel a lot of Zers do feel like they're in a in a space where they don't have a future. And that's quite scary for them. So um, they're going to come into your classroom empty. They're going to come into your classroom empty. And so really the goal here in the classroom is to stimulate and expand their mind, expand their mind, be inquisitive, get to know them, even if their philosophies and values are different from our own. Um, and I'll give you an example. So um, I was walking down the hallway one day and there was a millennial teacher um, teaching a class and it was like sort of in the beginning of the year. And um, I overheard a conversation where a student in his class said, I don't like Fridays. Friday is not my favorite day of the week. And so the teacher, um, the millennial teacher said to the Gen Z student, well, we just don't have anything in common then. Um, because, you know, the teacher loves Fridays, right? And so that was not the right way to handle that situation. Again, let's go back to the original point. Stimulate and expand their mind. Be inquisitive. It's not about being judgmental and really imposing our values on them or anything like that. If a student had said something like that to us, you know, what would we have said? What would what could we have asked if a student said, I don't like Fridays? We could have been inquisitive. We could have, you know, said, oh, really? So Fridays, you know, what do you typically do on a Friday? Do you go home? Do you work? Um, do you have chores to do after school? you know, that kind of thing, you know, just asking really lighthearted, simple questions to kind of fill their mind with some thoughts and get to know them and that they're they're going to appreciate that. But when we just kind of cut it off at the knees, right, then what's going to happen is that the Zer is going to throw, they're just going to shut down. They're going to shut down. So it's about stimulating their mind and expanding, expanding their mind. And when you think about stimulation, think about social media. So, you know, why are so many kids, you know, scrolling on TikTok constantly? Well, most people would say, oh, because it's addicting and this, that, and the other. But it's, it's really, I mean, I, I suppose it could be addicting in some ways, but the, the real issue, the real underlining issue is stimulation. They're empty. So they're turning to their devices. They're turning to their devices for stimulation. They want to feel something. They want to connect. So the way that you connect with the Zier is by stimulating their mind, expanding their mind, and being inquisitive and asking questions, you know, typically lighthearted questions um, that will stimulate their thought and connect with them. They will appreciate that. So that's point number one. Point number two, when it comes to connecting with Gen Z, again, I've said this before on the last slide, is keeping it light. Keep the conversations light with Gen Z. And the reason why I say that is because with um, with Zers, 
they they are they're conflicted in their emotions they're very torn they're very a torn generation um and 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 they're torn in a lot of different directions so their core like every every generation has a core right um for baby boomers i would say that the core of a baby boomer the driving force the driving factor that you know hinges on everything that they do that motivates them every day is uh survival it's an, a survivalist type instinct with baby boomers that's their core so everything is going to every decision that they make is going to be connected in some way to that core of survival right with uh gen xers typically uh what you see with gen xers is efficiency i've got to get it done i've got to get it done i'm going to find a way to get this done i'm going to and i'm going to be efficient uh in in, in my way of, of handling this situation so you see a lot of efficiency being sort of the driving factor with gen z and success and a lot of ambition a lot of gen xers are very ambitious people so um that is going to really drive their core with uh with millennials um i would say that a lot of the core is you know um a self-interest what's you know what's in it for me what what makes me feel good right so that that's going to be sort of the driving factor in a lot of things that we do as millennials with with gen zers they are a little bit harder to get to their core is a little bit harder to get through but it but it's still there and it won't change and so what we see with gen z is that their core is kind of fragmented in a lot of different directions so the goal here when we communicate with them is one we want to keep it light we want to see their faces light up we want to see them smile that's that's you know we're, we want to we want to look for signs of joy right that's what we want with gen zers because they're coming in empty um you know what we don't want to see is we don't want to see uh eh, a, a shoulder shrug or and i don't know or just any kind of type of body language that is indicative of them um of them shutting down right that's that's not that's not what we want so what we want to do is keep the conversation light. So what I do is um, I'll give you an example. There was a, this was when I messed up. This was a situation that I that I totally messed up. There was a there was a student last year who um, I had talked to her extensively about like her career options and what she wanted to do and all that stuff. And it was great, great conversations. And so um, one day she came to me and she said she said, Mr. Hernandez, I wanted to let you know that um, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And this was a huge thing for this student because she was she was in a an, in emotional chaos and just just kind of in the dark um you know with where she wanted to go in her in her future and i said oh really where do you, you know what do you want to do what is it and i was really excited for her and um so she said i want to be an architect and i'm like oh my gosh that's amazing so what i did and you know this is just more maybe it's more of a personal trait than uh than a millennial thing but you know my personality is to be like oh my gosh and and really cheer people on and get super excited and super amped up for people when they have a breakthrough that that's sort of just my my personality i want i want to cheer people on who are very successful and so um zers you got to keep in mind that they get very overwhelmed easily they get very overwhelmed easily and so you know here's me coming in and saying oh my gosh let's do this let's do that and i get really excited and i and i overwhelmed her and i didn't want to like scare her off or anything like that but once i realized that and i became more self-aware i said oh i need to kind of pull it back a little bit and I just need to keep it light and keep my emotions constant, not just kind of up and down. I need to keep my emotions constant. And so, you know, every time now that a student has um, a breakthrough moment where they do something really cool, they won their basketball game or they're writing a story or they wrote a poem or they want to share something that had a success in life. I keep it light. Oh, oh, really? That's man. That is that is really good to hear. Thank you so much for sharing for sharing that with me. I really appreciate that.
and then I just end it and uh, or at least I stop talking and that's kind of a big that's a big thing you know because you know millennials we tend to over communicate so when that happens um I just kind of stop and the zier you can if you look at their body language you can tell they're like you know that's you know, Miss Hernandez, she's she really gets me. She really understands. It's like it's like she understands my mindset, right? Um, and, and and so when we don't overwhelm them and we give them time to process their success or whatever it is that they're doing, instead of just kind of being super excited for them, we give them time to process, to soak it all in. Because this is very new for Gen Z when they have a breakthrough moment like that. It's a big deal. It's you know, for us, it might it's a big deal to us too. But for them, when they have those breakthrough moments, it's on another level. It's on another level emotionally that can be difficult for them to process. So I keep my conversations and I keep my questions um, light um, because I don't want them to feel overwhelmed. But also, you know, I want I want to find some common ground with them. And uh, and also I want I don't want them to feel like I'm prying into their business because um, Gen Zers are typically very private. They're private individuals and they share their they share their innermost thoughts. If they're sharing something with you, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because they don't do that with everybody. That that means that they trust you. And that's that's very significant. Um, they're not like uh, they're not like most millennials where we'll share whatever we're doing with anybody, um, anybody who will listen to us we will talk but but with gen zers it's not like that so it's highly significant so give them some time um to to process you know their successes um in life and and even even their even moments that are that that they're not successful keep it light and and then what you'll find is that they will actually open up to you more um instead of just prying and pressing right so that's that's kind of the the keep the second key point there the the, the second key point is uh, to remember when communicating um, with Gen Z is what's important to us may not be important to them. They're going to have values and philosophies that differ from us. Like, for example, if you were to go to a student in your school, especially if you're teaching uh, middle school and high school, you know, the fashion nowadays is is uh, probably not what uh, we would think would be appropriate, right? Like kids showing stomachs and wearing crop tops and you know things like that to school and all that good stuff. And uh, but if you were to go to a Gen Z, or I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you were to go to your classes and say, "Hey, do you think that um, what you guys wear to school is appropriate?" Um, they would 100% say yes. 100% of them would say yes. Um, and then uh, if you were to get more specific about it and you were to say, "Oh, well, do you think it's okay to show your stomach in school?" Um, they would say, "Yeah." Absolutely. Right. And it would kind of be shocking for us because we're like, what? Wait, what? But um, that's that like they're going to have that's just a, that we just have to sort of pre-accept that, that they are going to have philosophies that are different to different than ours. And what's important to them, you know, it might not be important to us. Right. So it's our job as educators to find out what is important to them, what motivates them, what drives them to enjoy life, right? And you can pepper them with rhetorical questions, simple questions. And the key here is to examine the body language and look for signs of a yes, look for signs of a connection. And when you do that, then you can follow up with an open-ended question, not like, do you do this on the weekends? But, you know, what makes you, what what gives you joy? What, what brings a smile to your face every day? Or when you're not on your phone, you know, click clacking and watching TikTok and, and all that kind of stuff. When you're not on your phone, 
what do you do? Well, more open-ended questions. So, but I typically ask my more open-ended questions once I've built a connection with them. Once I've built that connection and I look for those signs of a yes, then I know that I can sort of expand the boundary a little bit and ask a more open-ended question. So what I'm doing, I tried to um, put a little uh, graphic here, test for responsiveness and optimize thought. So test for their responsiveness, you know, pepper, with the, pepper them with those simple rhetorical questions to stimulate their thought, right? To make them excited. And then once you have that yes, then you can optimize that thought by asking an open-ended question. Um, so that's typically what I like to do with um, the Zers in this case. And it helps to find helps us to find common ground with them. Um, and uh, it, it really helps to build connection in our classroom that is going to pay off later down the line um, academically, I would say. So a couple things to, to, to keep in mind when it comes to understanding Gen Z, I think that this is really important is A, greet them at the door, nothing new here, we've heard that before. Um, but some of the other things is step outside of your structure and, and, and being flexible, right? That's gonna be a, a key here. And it's not being overly flexible in the sense that you expand the boundaries so far that there's no point of return. Um, it's not like that. It's just about expanding the boundaries and then contracting the boundaries when you need to. Expanding again, contracting again, expanding a little more, maybe expanding a little more and expanding a little bit more until you hit that limit and then contracting again. So that's that's really what it means to be flexible. Think of like a rubber band or something like that. That's what that is with Gen Z and they appreciate that. Um, another thing to keep in mind with Gen Z is that if you see a kid struggling, what they don't like, and I see this all the time, is don't call them out right then unless they're being disruptive. Okay, so if they're being disruptive, feel free. Feel free to call them out. Um, and you don't, you know, be just don't be disrespectful or anything like that. But you know, you can call them out and say, hey, that's not what we do here. But if they're not being disruptive and you see them struggling, it's it's a it's probably going to work out in your favor if you don't call them out um, and bring that attention to everybody else in the classroom. Again, because Zers are very private individuals and they don't like it when especially um, their struggles are broadcast to the world. They don't like they don't like um, a negative light to be cast on them, especially in the classroom. That's that's a big no-no, I would say. The next thing is, is that um, sometimes with the Zers, and this is going to be probably the toughest part, is um, getting the parents involved, especially with the smaller kids. So the smaller kids are going to be a blend of Gen Alpha and Gen Z. I won't touch on Gen Alpha today, but um, you know, with the with the middle school kids and 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 particularly the younger kids, and even at the high school level, getting the parents involved is is going to be um, is going to be tough. It's probably going to be the hardest part of all of this. And we're going to go into some of those those features later down the line in this presentation. So one thing we want to understand with Gen Z, again, look at the body language, look for signs of withdrawal, um, look for look for changes in behavior that just don't fit the norm, expressions on their faces, um, you know, avoidance. They're they're turned to the side. They're not as engaged, or um, they're they're on their phone, you know, excessively. Something that's not baseline, something that's not typical, um, and then definitely confrontational behavior. Any kind of, you know, uh, confrontational behavior would be things like they're being disruptive, they're interrupting you, and things like that, or they're asking questions that are leading questions, like they're trying to, they're they're trying to, you know. Um, have a gotcha moment where they where they get you on something. You know, any kind of confrontational behavior is going to be something to look out for. Or maybe they're just not listening, or they're you know they're just not complying with the rules. Anything that's not baseline and that's out of the ordinary with them, definitely uh, document that and and just keep keep an eye on that and get those parents involved. I would say that would be a huge thing with Gen Z. Um, and again, establish that baseline for conduct, and then you know keep in mind that Gen Zers are going to have a lot of trust issues. There, this is a generation that does not trust 
the system. They do not trust the school system at all. Um, so they're going to struggle with that at first, and they're going to have significant confident challenges in your classroom. Some of them, not all of them, but but some of them most definitely will. So um, in summary, some of the key things that you want to keep an eye out for or some things that you want to uh, apply in your classroom is you know, reach out to them without making it feel punitive, right? So if a student is, you know, acting in a way that's not necessarily baseline for that student, you can go up to them in a very kind way and you can say, you know, you look a little distracted today. Do you have a couple minutes to talk? This is this is not your normal behavior. And I, I you know, I just want to let you know I'm here for you. That's going to be something that's going to be highly um, impactful for Gen Z. Um, it, it's probably an, a type of interaction that they've not had often, and this is really going to help them trust you as the guide and as the leader that you are in the classroom. Um, also, I got asked the other day, they, the person asked me, they said, do you think that Gen Z is risk averse? Um, and I said, yes, most definitely. I do think that for the most part, now there's some that are, that are not, but I do think that for the most part, Gen Zers are very risk averse. Um, and the reason for that is because the ability to take risks, is, even if they're calculated, even if they're intelligent, I'm not talking about unnecessary risk, but you know, intelligent calculated risk, the ability to take a risk means that you have a, a certain level of confidence in your ability to bounce back if things fail. Gen Zers do not feel that way, right? So, and you see that. So if, if they get a bad grade on a test, you know, what do most Zers do? Not all of them, but what do most Zers do, do if they get a bad grade on a test, especially in a class that they don't like, or especially in a class if they don't, where they don't particularly care for the teacher? What do they do? If they don't, if they, if they get a bad grade on a test and they don't like the class and they don't like the teacher, then they just take the L, right? They, they take the loss, they cut their losses and they move on. They don't ask any questions. They're not going to be curious. Um, a lot of them are not. Some of them will be for sure, but a lot of them will not be that way. Um, and they don't want to take that risk. They don't want to communicate with the teacher to say, hey, what, what did I do wrong here? Um, um, and the reason why is because they don't feel safe enough to do it. So it's really about, and we've heard this before, but it is really significant for Gen Z to create that safe space where they can communicate without judgment or criticism. And when that is the case, they will start to take more risk. And that's the thing about Gen Z is that um, I think that, I, and I've even told my students this before, I said, guys, when you guys find your confidence or when you start to build your confidence rather, there, you you will be wildly successful, wildly successful in life because you have so much potential and all the people out here that, you know, don't know what they're doing and all these people who you're complaining about, your supervisors at work or your teacher or whoever it is, right? Maybe even your own parents. Um, when you get your confidence, you're going to be able to do really positive, amazing things but right now they can't because they don't they don't have the confidence to do so and a lot of them don't have that safe space where they can communicate freely um, and that's that's going to be a big part of your classroom um, to in, in terms of connecting with gen z also one thing that's important with gen z is to keep um, information as confidential as you can especially in the higher level grades so if a student comes up to you and says you know um, Mr. Hernandez can I talk to you about something you know you can say yes you're, you're more than welcome to talk to me about anything but keep in mind I don't know what you're about to say to me right I don't know you, you, you can say anything so I don't know what you're about to say to me but what I can tell you before you tell me what you're what you want to say is that I will keep the information as confidential as I can and if and if I do need to tell someone about what you're about to tell me, then I will only tell the people who need to know. 
And that's how I preface like 99% of my conversations. If somebody, actually not even 99%, 100%. That's how I preface 100% of my conversations when a student, um, especially at the high school level, comes up to me and says, you know, can we talk? Because um, I just want them to know that so that they don't feel um, betrayed necessarily if I do have to, you know, report it to someone. Um, so again, the key here is the more that you can get the students to respond and interact with you, the better. And the key to do that is again, ask simple questions, keep it light, stimulate their thought and look for a yes, right? That that's the, that's the way to really do that. That's kind of the pathway there. So um, when it comes to, I want to switch gears here and go into a little bit more academical information. Um, I, I put this little graphic here. When it comes to instructions and homework, one thing that really helps with Gen Z is to keep things concise. And the reason why you want to keep it concise, especially if it's written, written instructions, is because they won't read it. If it's like a big paragraph, like if it's like, like this big piece of paper right here, they're not going to read it. Um, so you keep things very concise, bold and highlight the key things that they need to know because that's all they're really going to look at anyway. Also, the one key thing here, I remember um, an educator, and this was a great idea. There was an educator a while back who said that instructions need to be visual, right? Like, um, so like, let's say you're giving instructions to your class and you want them, you know, to do X, Y, Z or whatever. Um, he said, you know, to make your instructions visual, can you see it? Like, instead of saying, um, hey guys, I need you to focus, um, say, hey guys, I need your eyes at the board. Okay, well, that makes sense because it's visual, right? But I would even take this one step further. Visual is great but actionable is better. Actionable is better. Make it something actionable. Like, so as soon as they come through your door, hey, go grab a piece of paper. Hey, make sure you have it, or go grab a pencil, or hey, go get that packet over there, right? Make it actionable. And if it's actionable, then immediately the student is set up for success because the first thing that you've asked them to do is something that's within their reach. It's simple and they can absolutely do it. So you're setting yourself up for success by making them actionable. Um, also, when it comes to homework, um, specifically homework, the homework should be recognizable by the student. So I know that in a lot of cases, um, some sometimes teachers will give homework to students that um, that, that that hasn't been covered in class. Like they'll, they'll ask a student to write a paper about a topic that was never discussed in class or something like that. And um, that that should not be the case. It needs to be recognizable. And I would even argue repetitious of what you've learned in class. So if the students recognize, oh, hey, I remember um, Mr. Nanas talked about this in class. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Then they're gonna be much more likely to do the assignment. But if they don't even recognize what it is and we haven't even talked about it, um, all I can say is good luck um, because that's not really going to work out very well. Um, and then also try to keep the, the instructions and things like that enjoyable. Um, so I'll give you some examples. If you look to the left here, we'll look at the first bullet point, actionable and concise. So um, this is something like I might say to my students on the first day, your homework is due on Friday of each week. At the beginning of class, I will collect it and your grades will be updated in 48 to 72 hours. So that's very specific. I need you to fill fill in the fill, find the capitals of blah, 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 or the, the capitals of the country in, in South America. Or I need you to copy the definitions of these words, or I need you to fill in the blank, right? That's actionable, right? When it's actionable, the student that they they process that very well. So actionable and concise. That works very well with Gen Z. Um, the next one is enjoyable. So the second bullet point. Should you need an extension, please communicate with please communicate that with me so that we both know what to expect. I'm happy to offer that to you. I'm happy to give you that extension um, to you in the event that you know you might need some latitude and I understand that. So that's enjoyable. So students appreciate that flexibility and it shows that you're that you're flexible and that you care and, and that that's a good thing um, to when it comes to building trust with Gen Z. The next thing is is um, 
the purpose, the, you can say something like this, the purpose of the homework assignment is reinforcement and repetition. So Zers definitely want to know the purpose um, with their homework. Like, why am I doing this? Is this just another worksheet? Is this just busy work? That kind of thing. Um, if it's just busy work, I can tell you with 100% certainty, um, and, I, and I speak about this extensively in the book, is that um, it's soul crushing for Gen Z to have a, a worksheet that is just busy work. It's, it's soul crushing. Now for millennials, that's very different. Worksheets, we don't mind worksheets and we didn't really mind worksheets as kids because it was how we learned. It was how we processed information and we did our workbooks and things like that. We we appreciate stuff like that and we don't, we don't question it because we've internalized its benefit. But Gen Zers, they have not internalized its benefit and they see it as, um, as, as busy work and not, not important, right? So, um, my advice is to convey the purpose of this. The, the purpose of this is to familiarize yourself with the information that we're going to talk about tomorrow or to, you know, um, to help you remember the material that we covered in class today so that we can apply it tomorrow, um, you know, seamlessly. That would be a purposeful and meaningful way to give homework. And they're much more they're going to be much more likely to do it. Um, so, you know, but again, it's about establishing boundaries. That's going to be a really big thing. This last bullet point here, um, I will say to my students something like this. I want to be clear that no homework assignment will be accepted five you know date five days past its original due date due date um, this is a boundary this is a boundary because you know my time is valuable so and you know I'm, and I will tell my students that you know listen you know I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment or whatever um, but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to have the homework pile up and then at the end of the semester or quarter you say um, oh Mr. Hernandez can I turn in 29 late assignments no 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 that we're not doing that like and and uh, and I will I will communicate that up front and I will remind them that I will, re will remind them of that consistently throughout the year so that they appreciate it and that they understand the boundary there that does not get crossed and um, and, and and that's going to be a really big thing with them so it that's going to increase the likelihood of them doing homework for your class and and also uh, turning things in on time so it's really about having a conversation with them um, to let them to, to help them figure out the importance of the deadline and why it's important. Okay, so um, this will probably be the last thing that I can go over before we have questions because I know I wanted to save like, you know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes for questions and things like that today um, before my tutoring session starts. So um, when it comes to Gen Zers, validating their intelligence is going to be a big thing, but there's very different ways of doing it um, with, as, with millennials as compared to Gen Z. So let's take a look at the millennials first. When it comes to validating a millennials challenge or uh, in intelligence, um, the first thing is millennials love Love. I know I'm a millennial. I know this. They love step-by-step -step instructions. I love step-by-step -step instructions. And now if I will tell you this, um, I don't like to just like if somebody says, hey, Nikki, you know, I want you to uh, try this. I want you to try Google Classroom or like the new thing this year was Canvas. You know, I need you to figure out how to work Canvas. Oh my gosh, I hate that. Um, and most millennials do. They hate just sitting there and trying to figure something out and playing with it and clicking around on all the buttons. They don't really like that. Um, they want they want to have the piece of paper that tells them exactly what to do um, because they want to, to know what they need to know. They want to get what they need and then move on to the next thing because clicking around on all the buttons for a millennial and trying to figure something out 
it feels like a waste of time. It's not a waste of time, but it feels like a waste of time, right, for a millennial. Now, with Gen Xers, we haven't talked much about the Gen Xers today, but Gen Xers are different, right? Gen Xers love to click around on things and figure out how it works, and they're very curious in that way, and they want to figure it out. They don't, if you give a Gen Xer step-by-step instructions, they're just going to, like, put it to the side and not even look at it and start clicking around on all the buttons and figuring it out themselves. Millennials are very different. They like the step-by-step instructions, um, and I, I I just know. I Like, I, I, I get it. But with Zers, it's different. Zers are the complete opposite of millennials when it comes to this. They hate step-by-step instructions. You give them a piece of paper like this and it has all the step-by-step instructions, again, good luck. They are not going to read it. They can't process it. Um, And so, like I said before, Zers are more like the Xers in this sense um, because they like to feel challenged and they want to feel like their thought is being stimulated and they want to have a chance to be curious about something and click around on the buttons and figure it out. That's how they are. They're very much like Xers in that way. Um, so instead of giving them step-by-step instructions, this is what I do. I assume that they already know what they're doing that validates their intelligence. And then I backtrack from there. So I'll give you an example. So, um, Zers, they don't like step-by-step instructions. If you hand them a list of step-by-step instructions, they feel like that's an insult to their intelligence. That's how they feel. Um, and so when when I'm giving them a task, like uh, let's say I need them to log in to, uh, like like this week, for example, uh, we were doing Garbanzo by Martina Bex. If you're a foreign language Spanish teacher, uh, you probably are familiar with Garbanzo. So um, I had the kids you know, create their accounts with Garbanzo and I said, hey guys, I need y'all to go to this website and create your account. I just assumed that they knew what they were doing, right? I didn't give them step-by-step instructions or anything like that. I assumed that you, I assumed that you know, right? And even if they don't know, that's okay. I just assume it anyway because it validates them. And then from there, I'll backtrack and say, oh, hey guys, um, you know, what's what step are you guys on? Did anybody miss a step? If so, you know, what are some options that we have there to get this result? They love that kind of stuff, right? So it's very different with the millennials. Um, now, if you go down to the next block with millennials, um, again, when it comes to validating their intelligence, millennials love to be asked about their opinions. They want to give input. They want to feel like they're the smartest people in the room. That's that's just a millennial thing. They love to give their feedback. Um, but I will say this, when it comes to validating their intelligence, I know this, I'm a millennial, and I've, I've never seen a millennial that deviates from this ever. Um, millennials do not like to share their resources. They don't like to share, including myself. Um, They're territorial over their stuff, right? So um, when it comes to like, if this is a lesson plan that I made, I don't want to share it because I made it. It's mine, right? I don't want to share it with anybody. I don't want to give it to anybody. I I worked really hard for this. Um, Or if I, you know, buy a subscription to Garbanzo or whatever, Senor Woolley or or a lesson plan on TPT, I don't want to share that with anybody else, right? I don't want to say, hey, look at this, because I I spent money on this. This is mine, right? So it's, they're territorial over their stuff. um, And they want, they'll, the, they're, they're territorial over their materials that they've created and invested in, like what I wrote here, but um, millennials will be very happy to give you feedback on what you're doing, um, and they will want to give you direction about where to go next, and that makes them feel appreciated. So don't, if you, just as a side note here, when it comes to extras and millennials, um, don't go to a millennial and ask them for stuff because they don't want to give it to you. They might give it to you reluctantly, but they don't want to. Um, if you want to get like a lesson plan or a copy of something, a rubric that another teacher uses, go to an exer. Um, go to an extra. Extras want to share. They love sharing their stuff. Um, they will. Go, they will literally have filing cabinets of stuff from 5,000 years ago and like pull it out and say, "Here you go." And, and they'll give you everything. They will give you the work. So it's very different um, when it comes to validating people's intelligence. That is what's validating to an exer. But with millennials, it's very different. Um, now with zers, um, zers respond well 
when they are asked simple questions, when they're asked simple questions. So again, because they get overwhelmed easy. So for them, when it comes to validating their intelligence, um, it's easier for them to process simple questions like, do you think that this deserves more scrutiny? Do you think that this deserves more consideration? Yes, no, maybe, right? Um, I will have a caution though. Um, if you go to Azir and ask them what the word scrutiny means, most of them won't know um, because they don't read. So they don't have a vocabulary. So, um, and that's okay. And, well, that's not okay, but it's okay that you use those words, right? Millennials are very educated. So put your education to work for you. You have a big vocabulary. Um, so, you know, use those words. Uh, use the word pretentious and, um, uh, you know, scrutiny and and uh, pragmatic and all those kinds of stuff. If you were to go to Azir and ask them what pragmatism is, they could not tell you. Um, they, it, it's just it's just the truth. So um, use those words with them, and they're going to say, "What does this mean?" That's your opportunity, right, to tell them what this means, and they will learn from you in that way, and they will appreciate that. So ask them, but but do it in a simple question, in the form of a simple question, and when you do that, you'll you'll get a lot more out of them. They'll be more curious. Um, so I'll ask them questions like, "Do you think that this is fair?" That's a question. That's a word they know. Um, do you think that this is reasonable? Is it logical to assume this? Um, you know, those types of questions. They love questions with an end game, meaning like, is it logical? Is it reasonable? Is it fair? Right. Does does this person deserve this? That they love questions like that because it gives them something to evaluate. They love to evaluate things. Um, so instead of starting a question with what do you think? which is going to be more of a millennial question, because if you were to say, hey, Nikki, what do you think? What's your opinion on X, Y, Z? I'm going to be like, blah, 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 and tell you everything I know, right? But if you go to Azir and you say, hey, what do you think about this? They're, it's, they're not really going to have the words to tell you what they think. So give them something to evaluate, and then they will open up more, and then it valid that validates their intelligence. Um, so it's 4.52. Um, I have a ton more, right, as you can see, a ton more information, but I can't get to it today. We'll have to do this later, but um, I want to give anybody a chance to ask any questions about what they've heard today, because this topic goes really, really deep, and I'm very passionate about it, as you can probably tell. So just want to open it up. <laughs> Wow, that was amazing, Nikki. A lot of information for sure. And it's so interesting because we have a lot of people in the chat here that they are identifying themselves as millennials. So they're like, yes, that's totally me. I, I actually I do exactly like that. <laughs> so Hilarious. they totally uh, connect with what you're saying. We have a few questions here that we received. So I want to start with the question from uh, Yala Utila, or Titula, Miranda Galindo. And she says, uh, what if you try everything mentioned and they still won't engage? The teacher adapts as much as possible, but administrative rules must be followed up to a point. What to do then? Um, I think I need a little bit more specifics about the situation. What has happened with administration? I'm sorry, I don't fully understand. Uh, so she's just saying that there are some rules and they need to follow. So although they try to adapt as much as possible to the Zers, they still have some rules that they must follow from their school. And um, also, if oh, a school ask wants to unmute themselves and, and comment a little bit more, feel free. Absolutely. Um, I think what I'm going to do is that question, um, that that actually goes into the next slide perfectly actually with with boundaries and things like that so when it comes to to boundaries and rules and things like that so I'll give you an example so um and I, I do have to leave in like uh probably about five yeah five minutes or so so um just so everybody knows 
But when it comes to boundaries and things like that, um, the key is to stay factual. To, the key is to stay neutral. So without knowing a ton of specific information about like what what specifically you're dealing with, um, I'll give you an example that that I experienced uh, just the other day, um, and hopefully this will provide some clarity. So I'm teaching three levels of Spanish this year. I haven't taught Spanish two in a long time, and I'm teaching mostly freshmen, and I've taught upper level kids, juniors and seniors for a long time, and some sophomores, but freshmen. Uh, it's been a little while <laughs> since I've taught freshmen. So they come in um, and the, the, they think that, you know, they're going to they're going to test the boundaries. They, they want to feel like they're the smartest person in the room. Um, they've you know, they've gotten away with a lot, you know, over their school career and things like that. So they think, you know, oh, Mr. Hernandez is going to be a pushover or whatever. You know, I don't know what it, whatever it is that they're thinking um, that can't work. So I'll give you an example. So um, two days ago, my class was, they were disruptive. Um, and it was just like three or four of them in there that were disruptive. I have a class of like 28. So about there's three or four of them, they're all friends. And so they were sort of being disruptive and they were, they kept interrupting me. Like every time I would talk, interrupt, 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 interrupt every single time. And so, you know, I would correct them and I would correct them and I would correct them over and over and over again. And so, and it just, it just wasn't working. It just was not working. I was not happy with that day a couple of days ago. And so um, the next day, so here's what happened. So most millennials in a situation like that, they go straight for the emotional. They go straight for the emotional. You're being disrespectful. You're being rude. Those are all very emotional responses, right? Um, and and I, and I totally get it, right? I, I do the exact same thing, but don't do that. Don't go straight for the emotional. Keep it factual, okay? So what I did today, um, and literally it wasn't today, it was yesterday. So the day after I had that situation where the kids are being disruptive or whatever, um, the next day I said, hey guys, did you interrupt me yesterday when I was talking? Yes. How many times did you interrupt me? Five, 10, 15 times? 15 times? Okay. Well, that can't happen. So we're done. Conversation over. Right? So, um, and, and today, perfect. Yesterday or the, whatever day it was, perfect. They were great. Because, and I told him, I said, it's not emotional for me. I'm not mad at you. I don't think you're rude. I don't think you're hateful. I, it's not, it's nothing. It's not emotional. It's, there's nothing emotional about this. This is just, you interrupted me. You interrupted me five times and that can't be. It can't be. Right. And so I had to call out one specific student. Um, now, but I will say this, that was very helpful because not going straight to not going straight to the emotional is going to resonate with Gen Z. If you go straight to the emotional, it's not going to work. Um, they're they're just they're not going to take you seriously. But if you just keep it factual, then you're like, hey, you interrupted me five times. We can't do that. Then that really helps a lot. But with this one particular student in the class. So um, He's he's a little mouthy. He will get an attitude. He's 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 very quick. He's got a he's got a sensitivity chip that's through the roof, right? So um, he he's quick to you know say something or criticize something or whatever. And so anyway, and I just told the class. I told well, I didn't I didn't call him out specifically, but I told the class. I said, hey guys, there was a specific situation yesterday, and he knew I was talking about him. I said there was a specific situation that happened yesterday where a student you know said X Y Z. And he knew and everybody else knew, but I didn't call him out. So I'm, I'm within the boundary here. Didn't call him out, which is good. And I said, he said X, Y, Z. Um, and I said, here's the deal. From here on out, if you have something to say, you have an opinion you want to give, you don't like something or you want to share a thought, you can talk to me after class, after class, because during class, that's not the time to say it. But after class, when that bell rings, you and I can have a little chat about what you want to say. 
and I have no problem talking to you then. But during class, that's not the time or the place. And then we're done. I've not had an issue with the kid. Um, you know, well, it's only been a couple of days, but I've not had an issue with the kid anymore. He was very calm. He's a totally different kid now because the boundary has been set and it was non-emotional. It was, you can talk to me after class. It was specific and, and that, that was it. So I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, when, when there's a situation, I will say this, just simplify your thoughts. There's a situation and it's not easy for millennials to do this because we overthink, right? And I, I know, right? We overthink, but when there's a situation, break it down, break it down again and break it down some more. And when you break it down and then you make the boundaries measurable, make them specific. Like for example, don't, um, don't be disrespectful is not, not measurable or be kind. That's not measurable. Make it measurable. So for example, um, when it comes to a, a task that's measurable, I would say something like, um, I need you guys to uh, come to class on time. That's measurable because I can count how many times you come to class, right? You're late three times, or I need you to turn in your homework assignment on time. You've got three missing assignments, or you turned in two assignments that were missing. Uh, you've got two assignments that are missing or were turned in late. Those are all measurable. So if I can speak factually, then that helps a lot. But I don't go, I don't go into the emotional because then I find myself, if I do, um, then I get into the weeds very quickly. And that's not where I want to be. I just keep it factual, like court of law, court of law, court of law. That's 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 just how I think um, when it comes to Gen Z. So anyway, um, I got to go. <laughs> Sorry, I got to go to my tutoring session. But uh, I, I hope that that was helpful today. And if there's any opportunity, um, you know, Natalie, if you want to or Natalia, if you want to do this um, again or if you want to just have like a 30 minute uh, Q&A one day just as a separate one off of this presentation for the teachers to come back and ask questions, I'm more than, than more than fine with uh, us doing that or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, <laughs> for the presentation, uh, for all the information, and good luck with the tutoring. Uh, everyone, please don't forget to uh, register for the, you know, for the uh, for the next session. Don't forget to fill the certificate of attendance as well. And let me just stop your sharing here. And okay. for Nikki, thank you so much. This was really great. We we had a lot of great questions uh, that we'll get to the next time. We have also a lot of uh, positive comments. So thank you so much. Uh, we'll definitely do this again. And please don't forget to register for our next month's webinar, October 21st. Thank you all again. It's lovely to see you every month here. Thank you and see you next month. Okay, thanks guys. Bye, have a great day. Bye.